If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Man, oh man, oh man. Was this uh, a good time right here? I had been working on getting Jamal in the studio for quite some time right now. This dude... Um, literally trains the best of the best. The cream of the crop. Oh, for sure in the NFL. I mean, you have Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, Mercedes Lewis, Marshawn Lynch, Vaughn Miller, uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, Puff Daddy. Yeah, he trains celebrities too. Like oh, yeah, Puff no. Did. He's got, he has everybody, dude. Some of, some of the best players uh, in the NFL have trained with him, and he was a really, really fun conversation and have been a longtime trainer. Excellent, excellent personal trainer. I always love talking to strength coaches and trainers who really know their stuff. Um, yeah. And he's definitely one of them, uh, not just because he trains these high-level athletes, but when we you'll hear in this episode, we talk all about training and exercise and the application, or at least I should say the correct application of exercise. And then we talk about his story. Uh, it's very entertaining. I really enjoyed interviewing uh, Jamal. You can find him on Instagram at Jamal Ligon. That's J-A-M-A-L-L-I-G-G-I-N. Um, and then his uh, website is jamalligon.com. Uh, we know you're going to enjoy this episode. Also, before we get going on that, I want to remind everybody that MAPS Hit is 50% off. Remember, MAPS Hit is our best fat burning in the short-term program that we offer this program's half off. All you got to do to get it is go to MAPSHIT, M-A-P-S-H-I-I-T.com and use the code HIT50, H-I-I-T-5-0 for the discount. Also, there's about one day left for our apparel blowout sale. All of our clothes, almost all of them, are 50 to 70% off on some of those. You can find those at mindpumpmedia.com. So without any further ado, here we are talking to Jamal Ligon. So we are off air and, and I was a little nervous to talk on air about this, but now I feel a little bit better about like talking about it. So I have a, a Marshawn Lynch story, and I knew that you guys were boys because you you originally were in Detroit, Michigan, then you moved to Oakland. Am I correct? Correct. And I'm assuming that's where you guys linked up. Correct. And I so I knew you were boys, and I'm like, dude, like Marshawn Lynch is like the only like pro athlete that I think that's ever really rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> and I'm like, do I bring this up with this guy? Like, are they going to be? Is he going to get fucking defensive about it? Because I was like. <laughs> My first experience with Marshawn Lynch is this. So I'm at I'm at David Lee's birthday party, and we're we're hanging out at this San Francisco club or uh, uh, restaurant. Real nice little private venue. There's probably only about thirty of us. Most of them are obviously Warrior players. Draymond's there, and obviously him and Draymond are friends. And in comes Marshawn Lynch, like probably half hour into dinner, so he didn't make it on time. Correct. He's carrying a <laughs> carrying a bottle of Hennessy. That's actually on time. Yeah, that's on time. That's protocol. Huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he's he's carrying a bottle of Hennessy, and he comes he comes walking up the stairs, and of course I recognize him right away, and he just kind of has this like demeanor, doesn't really say hi to nobody, goes over, sits down next to Draymond, and he's just kind of to himself over there with Draymond doing his own thing, and then as the night progresses. You know, some of my buddies like Marquette King and stuff were over there talking to him, and he's just he's fucking with everybody. Yeah, yeah, he's poking at everybody and this that. And him and I haven't said words or anything to each other. I'm like, I don't know about this cat, dude. He just, <laughs> I can't tell if he's being a dick, like he's trying to insert himself or what. And so that was my first experience with with Marshawn. And later on in the night, we were at the clubs together in VIP area, and he was fucking with me. 
And so I, before you came on, I was thinking like, dude, I'm going to, should I tell this guy this? Like, I, I really want to know because he's the only athlete I've ever dealt with where I just didn't get a read on him. Like, is this guy really fucking with me or no, what? I mean, that's him in a nutshell. Like when he got traded from the Buffalo Bills to the Seattle Seahawks, he yeah. gave me a call. He's like, hey, I'm coming to the gym. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do it. I'm like, all right. I, I programmed a whole six weeks ready to work out. First thing he wanted to do is race me. Because the last time we He's raced was you. in high school. Yeah, okay. And he was like, dude, you're still not faster than me. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, like I ain't seen you in like a long time. I, I'm happy for you. Let's get back to work. Nah, bro. I'm not training till we race. <laughs> and keep in mind, he doesn't even have training shoes on. He's got sandals on. Oh, you know, man. he's fresh off the plane. And and it was and I had a bunch of like I had about like 50 kids in the gym and in transition. So it was like 20 kids coming in and like another group of kids about to leave and they're like and I can't look like a punk (laughs) you know and some of these kids don't know our relationship like that so he's like you know going at it and I'm like all right, I gotta race this dude (laughs) he's calling me out you know and um you know he beat me I ain't gonna lie he beat me but we raced again off camera (laughs) but that's just him like coming into the gym he just wants to just poke at you mess with you see where you're at it's like like an Oakland thing yeah yeah oh that's great great. for sure so you gotta share your um you got an incredible story I know you're originally from Detroit, Michigan, and then you moved over to Oakland. But I'd love for you to kind of start off to let our audience know um, how you actually even fell into becoming a personal trainer. What did that look like? Wow, it's it's crazy because I feel like I was a trainer or at least a coach before I even knew I was a coach. Um, I was, I guess you could say I was fairly gifted to be fast. Um, I kind of just knew what to do to run faster. And when I was in high school and college, all the guys were like, bro, I'm about to go to that hill you live on and run with you. Or I'm about to do some extra work in the weight room. And I was just like, man, I'm just trying to look good to roll my sleeves up. <laughs> you know? And then at the same time, I wanted to be faster for football and track. But it was like, I just wanted to be in shape. I, I kind of like, early on in my like high school, college career, I didn't understand like how guys were so fast. And I wanted to figure it out. Um, and then when I went to college, I, I kind of suffered like a little bit of a knee injury and I did fairly good. I did I did really well in the 100 to 200 meter dash. I was anchoring a four by one. I was long jumping like 25 feet, um, but I still just didn't understand it. And uh, I got into a little bit of trouble and kind of like my grades started slipping and I got on academic uh, sports, academic probation. So at that point in time, I could only work out. Uh, I couldn't work out with the team. And because I still like, you know, I, I was a football player turned into a track athlete. So I gravitated to football players. So the football team was all from different parts of the country. I was at Alabama State. And they were like, dude, I'm gonna start working out with you. I see you in the gym. Um, you're not like with the team right now. I'm like, cool, let's work out. I would be in there before class, afternoon, after class, and um, started training some of the people that were not athletes. Like some people were like, dude, I see, like, what is that you're doing? I would literally get on a squat rack and do six sets of 225, and the way the gym was set up, it was like an open shed, immediately jump off the squat rack and just run 100. Mm. And people were like, what the hell is this dude doing? <laughs> but it was just like, I just go home and write down what I did, not even though I was programming myself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, into my like second year at Alabama State, I, my mom got sick, so I came home. Um, a lot of the coaches in Oakland remember me from what I did as far as running track and playing football and stuff like that and just being one of the fast kids. They started pairing me up 
with a lot of the up and coming kids from the high school I went to in like different schools like Oakland Tech, mm. Mac, Skyline, um, Encinel, all these different schools in the area were like, dude, you need to go to that Jamal guy and just work out with him. I would take these kids up to Cal. We do the bleachers. Um, we'd go to different areas where there's like uh, the beach in Alameda. And I was just doing stuff I did to get ready for college. Mm. And it just started growing like crazy. I was training at Lake Merritt um, in the morning uh, before I had to go to work at Sleep Train Mattress, Nike in San Francisco. And then I was also working an overnight shift at um, Albertsons, loading shelves and get right back every morning and just train. But I was always known as that kid from Lake Merritt. As as time went on, um, and like you said, I, I, I grew up with Marshawn and we kind of had a good relationship. After he got done with Cal, he went to the Buffalo Bills. So that four-year time span is when I had an opportunity to kind of build my name as a trainer mm -hmm. without Marshawn. Mm -hmm. um, people didn't know that relationship yet. So then when he came back and got traded from Buffalo Bills to Seattle Seahawks, it was like, that's Marshawn's trainer. I need to do what Marshawn's doing. Mm. And, it, and that was 10 years ago. And just to quickly fast forward it, it's full circle again with Odell. Mm. But back to what I was saying, the the process was so beautiful because it was organic. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I, MySpace was just starting. Um, Instagram wasn't even thought of. So you're an old guy like yeah. us. You've I'm an there. old guy. I'm an old guy. <laughs> you I'm do, an you old, do it old school. Yeah, I do it old I was sitting out front of gyms, passing out flyers. Oh, yeah. Taught myself how to use Photoshop and was making homemade flyers at every game I could go to to put on cars. In the process, one of my clients um, had a workout, a local tryout with the 49ers. And he was a product of West Oakland. And so he says, we need a gym. I can't keep doing push-ups outside. Um, he's like, bro, I'm strong as hell. I've never done 300 push-ups in my life, but I'm strong. But I need, a, I need some weights. So I was like, all right, cool. Do you have access? We can go to 24-hour fitness. E uh, Equinox was at the time. It was like crunch or whatever. So I was like, all right, cool. Uh, what do you want to do? He said, well, I got access to the Boys and Girls Club in West Oakland. I was a member there. And, you know, I'm older now, so I don't really go. I went down to the Boys and Girls Club in West Oakland, talked to the director, asked him if it was possible to use the weight room. The weight room was, I'm talking about the gym equipment was the most old, decrepit. I, we went in there, cleaned it up, created a, a, I guess what you can call the original JLT facility. It was a room half the size of this. Had a squat rack. Um, this is when Baron Davis was on the team. So he they donated all this equipment. Okay, um, nice. uh, Steph Curry wasn't even thought of yet at the time. Yeah. So they donated all this equipment and we just cleaned it up. And in exchange for them letting me use the weight room, I did a child obesity program for the kids. I did a program for the girls volleyball. Like we did training and then I was the coach. I also taught the kids how to use laptops, build websites, learn how to use Photoshop. Oh wow, that's oh, great. Wow. This is like something they had never like really been exposed to, hmm. you know? And so it was like a different spin. And then at the same time, I would take the boys in there and do boxing with them. So it was like, it was cool. I really enjoyed it. I, I lived in West Oakland. I could walk to work if I needed to. And I got an opportunity then to bring my college and post-professional clients, you can say it, to the weight room. So it was good. Um, that ended up turning into me building, you know, a name in Oakland. Ended up working at a couple more private facilities where I rented out space. And um, like like all my clients have done now, they, they've come with me. So I brought every everywhere I went, I, the, the clientele just kept growing. Ended up partnering with a good friend of mine, Eugene Smith. He's actually from the Bay Area. 
and we created a gym where we had CrossFit meets performance training. So that's a lot of the older clips that you see on YouTube and stuff with me training Marshawn is him at that gym. And that was in the transition phase from Buffalo to Seattle. And that's when he did that 70 yard, 78 yard touchdown, holding my, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was that year where it just skyrocketed. Um, it picked up pretty quickly where a lot, I got a lot of awareness from different places around the country. And myself personally, I like to research what other trainers and coaches are doing, especially at that time in the NFL. Um, and then guys who were preparing to go to the NFL or Tom Shaw was one of my like idols at the time. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Spark mm-hmm. brand Nike yep. and all the camps they used to do at Stanford and all that. That's so crazy. I was like, how do I get involved in this? This is like, I've already got a hundred something kids that go to these. Let me figure it out. I was looking up Tom Shaw, Pete Bomarito. Before it was called Exos, I was looking up API. It's called API at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just every facility I could think of and just trying to figure out how are these guys doing this? Well, what do you, when you're doing this, what are you, what are you starting to put together and formulate for yourself? Are you really impressed? Are you going, wow, I don't, it's not that impressive. What are you, what are you noticing when you're checking all this out? I, and I, I'll be honest with you. I, I was noticing that the trainers were all close to 40 years old. And in my, it kind of discouraged me. Cause I'm like, I'm not seeing any guy who's at the time I was like 23, 24. I'm not seeing any young trainer that's like has a name for himself. So I'm thinking, man, I gotta wait 20 years to be the guy. <laughs> but at the same time, I know that I'm not, I don't wanna be necessarily the guy. I was okay being the back burner. I'm okay with Marshawn having the best career of his life and no one knowing who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm more worried about my college kids getting to the pros. And and that was okay for me. And it it kind of sparked something where I was like, man, I need to create something something that I did, but something that is more custom to what any athlete can do, any sport. So more of a function, and I didn't know what the terminology at the time, honestly, either. It was functional movement, single leg squats, single leg step ups, um, single leg RDLs were like the pinnacle of what my coach at the time was preaching to us to get faster. So it kind of just came full circle. When I, having Marshawn do a single leg squat, he was like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. You know, he's used to doing four plates on each side mm-hmm. and killing it. Mm-hmm. But when I put one plate on on one side, he was like, bro, this is crazy. And so it kind of like sparked something with the training as to why these guys are getting so faster. Uh, you know, you, you had mentioned too uh, way back when you were doing things like squatting with 225 and then doing a sprint right afterwards, which now we know is what they call that post-activation, post-activation potentiation. Yes. You were doing a lot of this programming. Was it a lot of it intuitive or were you learning from books and reading, you know, studies and techniques and applying it to yourself? Like, how were you developing some of these strategies? So the problem I learned that I came across is why am I, I, I'm, I could squat like crazy. I could bench like crazy, squat like crazy, but I wasn't getting faster. And, you know, there's all these terms like you've got to work on your fast twitch or you got to work on, you know, uh, the eccentric part of the lift. You got to work on all these. There's all these different things that come into play. And what I learned that worked for me and worked for all my clients through trial and error, we would do, a, uh, I, would, uh, I would schedule the whole program to where we just do double leg squats. Then the next year, I would say, you know what, let's just focus for, for three to six weeks on all single leg foundation work superset that with some type of single leg box or some type of banded explosive exercise. Mm-hmm. And the the results were crazy. And this is just you coming up with this? Yeah. Because you're trying it out? I was wow. just figuring it out. 
And this is before all like the, the, the technology that's out now. This is like 2006, 2007. So I'm just like, all right, let me bench and then let me throw a medicine ball, chest press it against the wall. Right. I'm going to push and pull, but I'm going to pull with an explosive exercise or I'm going to push with some type of like strength. Mm-hmm. And it was just the combination of the two. It was crazy. And people were in the gym are looking like, I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. You know, the closest thing to it may have been like um, a hand cling into like a bench. Mm-hmm. And that's probably like, you know, a triple extension exercise that most people are very familiar with. But they don't know why they're doing it together. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, but when you do a bench press and then I get a guy like Anthony Barr, who's a linebacker, I get him benching 225 for six reps and I immediately get him off and get him on the wall with a 30-pound med ball. He's now applying the strength into something a little bit more sports-specific. Well, it's fascinating mm-hmm. that this is so intuitive to you because, uh, I mean, this is what studies show to be the effective way to train and it's much more accepted now. But 10, 15 years ago, it was it, unheard of. It was, yeah, nobody was really doing that, which it's is insane. You, you, you talk about getting out, working two or three jobs, training people, studying these things, applying, you know, what you're learning to the next time you train someone. Incredible work ethic, drive, and hustle. Where does that come from? Uh, I had my daughter when I was 22, 23 years old, and she would sit and watch me on the computer. And most babies are crying. You know, they're, they, they're impatient. She just watch. And then, you know, I'd get up and do some drills with her. And I pretty much, you know, she I'd bring her to the gym with me. She'd sit there, watch me do ladder drills. And then when the client leaves, she's doing the drill. And I, <laughs> and I would bet new clients all the time. I was like, bet, I bet my daughter could do this better than you. It's like, you're doing the same, same long, same leg, bro. Come on, man. And they're like, what? Your daughter's like four. And I'm like, yeah, watch. But she's just like me. She's just very, she sees something, she knows how to do it. And that was what sparked it. Um, aside from just the fact that I wanted to create something that I think people wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, and it's been working. It's been working like crazy. Um, and I don't even think it's honestly the, the exercises. Like you can go anywhere and do some squats. You can do anywhere. I I have a different way of developing relationships. And like we talked earlier, it's just being straight up, you know, honest to God truth. Like, and me and Odell joke about this all the time. The first time I got on the phone with him, I, I the first thing I said was, no one cares about that catch last year. <laughs> you know, no one cares what you Old did. Old news guy. Yeah. yeah. No, I was, I was being serious. And, and he looked at me. He, I said, I said, you come, let's, let's get a workout in. Let's, let's, let's get better next year. And every year I, I, I strive to do that with him. And he pulled up. I was training about like 15 guys at the time. And I honestly think he was going to show up. I, I thought he was like, whatever, like whatever, this kid is like talking mess. And he pulls up on a hoverboard, you know, <laughs> at the front of the door. And there's like 10 guys training with me and another five guys getting ready to warm up. And they heard me talking mess on the phone because it was FaceTime. Uh, and I was like, come on down to the gym, man. You ain't going to come. That catch don't mean nothing. And they're like, who are you talking to? I'm like, oh, man, Odell Beckham Jr. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he pulls up. And he's, first thing he says is, who's Jamal? <laughs> and I turned and like sat next to a guy and I'm pointing at somebody else <laughs> and I'm like he ain't about to beat me up <laughs> and uh, everybody pointed at me and I was like man yeah I'm Jamal hold me back come on please hold me back <laughs> and um, he, I said uh, do you want to jump in the group and he was like nah I'll wait I'll wait I'll start warming up over here I'll wait I was like cool I got about like 10 more minutes Everybody in the gym was like, ooh. You about, it was like high school. Yeah. Ooh, you about to get it. And I was like, ah, oh, here we go. 
So, you know, I create, I just, you know, I watch a lot of film on guys, even if I don't train them. Like I, I got a program for JJ Watt. I'll never even work with him. Mm-hmm. But I had in my mind what I wanted to do with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he warmed up, he got ready. And it was almost like weird because everybody was watching like what's going to happen. Yeah. We worked out and I uh, shook his hand. He was like, uh, what you want to do? And I was like, you want to come back tomorrow? He's like, I'll be here tomorrow. And that started a whole four or five year relationship. Wow. Can you talk about that? uh, Like you just watching film and all that. Like, what do you see? What do you see as far as like any weaknesses or anything that you're like, oh, wow, I can really help him with this. So I look at it like the matrix code. Okay. So my (laughs) staff, I have, I, we, I prep them like crazy. Right. So we'll sit down and watch YouTube videos or we'll watch film. And I say, what do you see from here? What can you, what workout can you create off of this wide receiver doing X, Y, and Z. And, you know, typically they'll be like, oh, I have them squat or I have them like sled push. I'm like, no, let's break down every specific movement from the from literally walking up to the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. to catching a touchdown to walking back to the to the to the sideline. Every detail, the release. Okay, let's work on hip flexor. Yeah. Let's work on correcting the hitch. Let's work on the second step off the uh, top of the release where he's going to make a, a a pivot or a jab step. Let's work on the catch. What is he going to do after the catch? Let's put a band around his arm and have him run on the box. Like, I, I break it. it down. Yeah, I love it because I... Being, I, I mean, I used to be in defense, and you could always see the tells, right? Rise are coming up to the line, like you know whether they're heavy on the left side, yep. heavy on the right side, like yep. where they're going, what their arm placement is, how heavy their fingers are in their stance, yep. all that stuff. So you're you're applying that now to the actual training. I, I could create a workout of one rep or one down or you know a ten second of NBA game just off the movement alone. Like, okay, if if I have a basketball player. Um, and his lateral step is really weak. All right, let's work on a lateral lunge and explode with a, a ice skater drill mm-hmm. that I use. You know, it's just it's just applying what I see mm-hmm. and kind of just incorporating in the workout. What were what were some of the when you started working with these high level like uh, elite athletes? Because we're talking about people like who can perform <laughs> at the the highest levels. Did you have some misconceptions when you first started working with them? Was your mind blown in any way? Because I know for me. When I've worked with a few high-level athletes, I thought, oh, it's a high-level athlete. Their bodies are super balanced. They could do everything. And then I do certain movements, be like, whoa, I can't believe that this person, they're just really good at what they do. Did you ever run into anything like that? Yeah, I think it was a, um, I guess you could say ignorance or a misconception. I came into it already being friends with these guys and not understanding what they did with the team. And so that's the problem with a lot of new, younger trainers is they feel like they have to, overtrain these guys mm-hmm. when it's actually more of a maintenance thing um i tell my veterans guy my veteran guys all this all the time all my guys who are nine years ten years they're not trying to power clean the world they're not trying they're, and another thing it's it's not about being the fastest guy anymore it's about maintaining the speed yeah mm-hmm. you know it's very hard to get a guy who's 23 24 years old any faster let's be realistic but what you can do is get them a little bit more explosive right. you can more create efficient. yes you can create more power you know um but what i experienced like from a I, I, i'll go back to it just being a little bit ignorant about the training process was programming them as opposed to training a guy at a ucla or usc is complete opposite really mm-hmm. complete opposite mm-hmm. explain explain so for instance, I have a couple guys right now from USC, UCLA that are in, you know, they just got done with their pro day and combines. 
And for six to eight weeks, we taxed them, you know, heavy hills, a lot of speed work, you know, making sure they could jump over, not necessarily over training them, but pushing them to at least the, the limit prior to like peak performance. The guys coming in from the NFL can't do that. Mm. You can't do that. You got to remember these guys have been training and playing football a lot longer time. So their bodies are already injured. The main thing I do is set them up with a PT, physical therapist and chiropractor. Because if I can eliminate a lot of the, the, the postseason injuries first, I can get way more productivity out of them. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have to squat them so heavy. I can, like I said, go back to my functional movements, single leg box jumps, single leg squats, you know, TRX, you know, a lot of medicine ball work. Mm. More so, this is more and more maintenance work as opposed to just, you know, deadlifting, deadlifting the shit out of them. You know, yeah. it's, it's just taxing for them. Their lower backs are messed up already. Mm. You know, a lot of guys don't even back squat. A lot of trainers don't even know, I can't back squat this guy. He's coming off, you know, slip disc or, you know, even if ankle injuries... Um, as you know, like if you have a pulled hamstring, it comes from the calf or the glute. So you can't do too much stuff that'll aggravate that. So you have to work around the injury. And mm-hmm. this, this is hard to do without the knowledge. Oh, it's true wisdom coming out uh, right now. Um, uh, now, it, what are some of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to training for athletic performance mm-hmm. uh, ex- and explosiveness? Like, I guess first off, uh, uh, maybe a better question would be, what are the attributes that you would need for to be excellent at sports, in particular football, because that seems to be what you're known for. And then number two, what are some of the misconceptions about training where people think, oh, this is what I need to do to get better at you know at these sports? Maybe they're doing the wrong exercises or whatever. I think I think it's more so if if I'm just talking from a trainer's perspective, creating phases. Um, a lot of people skip the foundation phase, which is building a base, building. They're, they're conditioning. My guys come back from OTAs and the last thing we do is run routes. You know, you don't need that right now, especially going back there, going into conditioning and weightlifting. So what a lot of trainers do, and I know you guys have seen this numerous amount of times, is get them on the field, do as much cone work, speed work, you know, one-on-ones, and then tax them in the weight room. No, no. All you really just need to work on the basics, the foundation, getting a strong base, you know what I mean? Taking taking a lot of that high-intensity training and creating, like, I mean, honestly, I would say, to, in layman's terms, higher reps, lighter weight, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Closer to the end of the season, heavier weight, I mean, closer to the peak of the season, heavier weight, um, heavier weight, lower reps. And just, just to make it as easy as possible mm-hmm. for somebody who doesn't understand the concept, Get the base going. Get them stronger. Like, I had a guy start up with me Jan- uh, right after the Super Bowl. And, you know, he was, you know, fairly out of shape. Condition was bad. He just got back from Jamaica. You know, a couple more <laughs> trips to Cancun. No big deal. And he was terrible. He was lifting one plate on each side. So what we did, we just increased the reps to 12 to 15. You know what I mean? And from instead of going from, you know, six exercises of power, we did 12, 12, 9 to 12 exercises. But we just added a lot more reps. By the time he left last week, he was pushing up 275. You know, he was running 10 hills like it wasn't nothing in under five minutes, three minutes. When he came to me, he was running in 10. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's it's just creating that base, monitoring it, and seeing what they can do and progress. What's more difficult uh, to work with? Uh, you mentioned like with, with college football and them trying to 
then, you know, prove themselves and go through the combine and get into the league, you know, that presents its own challenges as far as like, you know, potentially overtraining or like, you know, really trying to prove themselves versus somebody that's in the league that maybe has an ego already established and maybe won't work or do what you asked of them. Man, that's a good question. Wow. It's, and I, I want to say something that kind of like goes off that. I have a great opportunity with my program to pair college athletes with current NFL athletes. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And um, there's certain times of the year where you can't do that um, because of NCAA rules. But in the transition period, when they're done with school, they have the opportunity to, you know, all my receivers get a chance to at least be in the room with Odell. Mm-hmm. That's dope. You know, my safeties get to train with Joe Hayden in the morning. That's sick. And the, the best part about Joe Hayden is he's an early guy. He's been in the league nine, 10 years. He's like, Jamal, I like to get in at six, seven in the morning, get out. All my college guys are like one in the afternoon, 4 p.m. <laughs> and I'm like, this, you got this is the mentality you have to have right. if you want to be in the league this long. And they get a chance to see his, his mannerisms. We'll go to the field at seven. We'll do all the positional work. I have one of my other coaches working specifically with the college kids. But I'll, I'll do a combination of stuff where they get a chance to work with him and see the intensity when he's learning how, when he's using high intensity to do drills and when he's like calming, mm-hmm. calm, when he's calmed down between exercises. And they don't understand that because with college, it's go, 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 yeah, go. always go. They don't understand. You can take a break. You know, learn your body, know your body. And we'll, we preach that a lot. When we get in the weight room, they're looking at what Joe is doing. They're understanding like, wow, Jamal's been working with this dude for like five years. I get it. You know, it's a different type of training. It's not always like I need to be the best guy in the room. And Joe's, Joe's speaking knowledge. He's talking to him about what's on the board. Some of these guys' coaches in college are now in the league. So they're actually training with these guys who are like, oh, I know your coach. He's my coach now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's great. And it's 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 a great opportunity for all my linebackers to work with my I work with literally the linebacker core for the Vikings. Anthony Barr, Eric Kendrick, Eric Wilson, um, a couple other guys. And they get to, to see not only these guys are two hundred something pounds and they're moving like DBs and receivers. And that's 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 a bonus with the program is that you get to be as big as you are and move mm-hmm. however you want. Mm-hmm. But I think that that is like the best part of my program is that the younger generation from high school, which is my staff member who was in high school training in the same room with Marshawn Lynch, he's now my assistant mm-hmm. and he's now taking over the high school college program. Mm, that's cool. Um, and, I, and I like that. You know, it doesn't matter how many degrees, how many master's degrees, how many training certificates you have. He knows my tempo. He knows what I want. He knows after work, he's got to get on the computer for six hours and do some more research and try to recruit. You can't teach that. You can't teach that with a cert. Yeah, you no. Know, you know? No, not at all. And, and a, a big, tell me if this is a big misconception that the 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 difference between a very, very high level, you know, division one college athlete and, and a pro, your average pro, is just natural talent versus the work ethic. Like Correct. which one plays the biggest role, would you say? Work ethic, most yeah. definitely. Yeah. Definitely work ethic and consistency. Um, a top elite level professional athlete um, may not train as much as like a divisional one college kid or somebody, but when they're training, they understand why and what needs to be done. 
a lot of my guys don't understand what internal or external rotation means, but they know when they're doing drills and they're doing squats, my left leg keeps going in. College kids and other guys don't really pay attention to that. They just go. They just go. Mm -hmm. So when I'm saying, all right, we need to revert back to at least some more, some exercises that will focus on that unilateral strength, they get it. Other guys don't pay attention to that. I tell Odell all the time, we need to work on certain drills. And he's like, you're right. This is something I want to work on. Let's incorporate that mm. because now I know my 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 left hip is not firing. Mm-hmm. So let's add two or three more reps as opposed to somebody who's like, let's just go through the drills. They've got a lot of good body awareness. Yeah. Now, Amazing. W- when, w- one of the things about athletes that I, I learned a while ago that blew me away was that they're not perfectly balanced, but, but they're so good at moving the way that they do that they've developed their own uh, you, you know, compensatory patterns. They've developed these patterns that are very efficient and good at and I learned a long time ago that if I try to correct everything, I may mess up their how, how good they are at moving in a particular way. Do you do do you find that as well? Where you see these athletes, like how far do you go at trying to move, make them move perfectly without messing up the fact that they've been moving a particular way for ten years and they're good at it? I I have that debate with trainers all the time mm. um, because it's the generation now is my way or the highway. And I come from a world where if Tom Brady wants to do it this way, we're going to let him do it this way, but I'm going to create some alternatives. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him some options to see how it feels to do it X, Y, and Z. Um, it's That's a veil. Oh, man. I go through that every yeah. day because my younger trainers are not... Training is more than just teaching them how to be better. Training, training is, is teaching them how to use different ways to do things, I believe. And with with what you just said about, you know, the pattern that they're using is the way they want to do it forever, I agree. I strongly agree. But if I can teach them to do something that might be more from an injury prevention side, come from that angle, then they kind of understand mm. why I want them to do it this way. So you're going to work with it, but you're going to influence it along the way. Correct. Yeah. Because the second you start to get into a world where you can't let them do what they want, they'd be like, they're like, oh, I'm cool. I don't want to train here no more. Or, you know, and at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I don't want to lose a client, but at the same time, I don't want you to get hurt in the game. Yeah. So it's like, where do you where do you draw the line? Yeah, it, it, it sounds to me like what you're saying is um, if you want to maximize your performance at that level, it's less about pushing and squeezing out more, more performance and more about reducing time on the bench, reducing injury, improving efficiency just so you're more consistent of a, of a performer. Correct. Is that accurate? Okay. With, when, with the help of my, 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 um, my physical therapy team, my sports rehab team, they, they help a lot with that because I'll go to them before I even go to the athlete. I'll be like, <laughs> I just can't get him to move the way I want him to. And they're usually more receptive when the doctor comes in and tells them, dude, you need to start doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. How did that all come about? Like, when did you start incorporating, uh, you know, physical therapists and people in your programming? Well, I I wanted to stop outsourcing, you know, like Marshawn or anybody would come in and be like, I, the first thing guys do at that level is they say, I got to go see my PT first. So I was like, all right, well, common sense. Let me just get a PT with me. That way, I don't have to wait 30 more minutes for you to get here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Smart. So that was how it started. But then I started doing more research and looking at like Exos and, you know, top facilities. And they all have a PT or a chiropractor or somebody there to work with the guys. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of lucrative, actually. So now let me start incorporating 
the PT side. So when the guys come in the program for OTAs or NFL training camp prep, first thing they do is go see my doc. They go see the doc, 20, 30 minutes. They come work with me, hour, hour and a half. Then they go right back to the doc. And it's just... It's just like an, a great assembly line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, it, and the guys like that because it's like when they go to work, they go see the doc or they go see the training room, go to workouts, go see the training room and they go home. Mm-hmm. It's, it keeps them on a like, oh, this Jamal's legit. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, you, you're known for training these high level professional athletes, but you, you train a lot of young athletes, a Correct. lot of students, high school students and college students and maybe even younger. What's the big difference in the training? Like in, in talking to the young athlete right now, I'm sure we have some high school and college students listening right now. What are some things that they can do to improve their performance, some basic things that they can do with their own workout programming? So so what we usually have our college kids do is we, after an assessment, which we do with all our clients, is we kind of just figure out what their goal is. You know, what are you trying to accomplish with this? Because a lot of these kids play receiver, end up playing DB. You know, so that's that's you've been training a kid for four years, and all of a sudden now he's playing DB safety or something. I'm like, come on, man! Like you just messed up my four, my whole four year program with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's cool though, you know. And what we try to what we try to get them to do and understand is like you got to have you know some speed. Speed is probably one of the most important parts of me as a trainer. Like the athlete, what I feel coaches want is speed because mm. you could take a, a athlete who's terrible at doing everything but he could run a 4-2 <laughs> oh we're gonna take him we're gonna figure out somewhere to put him special team somewhere you know yeah. so speed first and foremost like my if, if I didn't know anything about training or anything about getting faster the first thing I would say is I'm gonna do something to make it harder for me to get to A to B mm-hmm. and that's either pulling a sled running up a hill or running on sand those are the top three things it's just knowing how much to do with it I was going to ask you all about the speed training in, uh, specifically because there's a lot of people out there selling products and, oh, and ideas that are questionable. Uh, and also, you know, like, so if you could kind of go down the list of maybe like a hierarchy of ones that you actually use in your uh, training versus what's out there, like, you know, running in a pool versus like running with a parachute and all that kind of stuff. So my, I guess you could say my top, my top product, I guess, would be the sled. Um, because I can do so much with a sled, you know, we can get leaner and lateral speed movement where I can do shuffles, karaoke's, um, forward running, obviously, but you know, with my, my DBs and my defensive players, I can get them into a back pedal. Mm-hmm. I can get them into a turn. I can get them into a lot of different scenarios where they just feel like they got that monkey on their back, you know, where it's just unbearable or it's just a little bit heavier because it's, it's also interesting to see how people are using it. And social media does a great job, but it also does a bad job because it doesn't show the actual full workout. Like you show me, I, I can post me pulling sleds, but it's not showing the actual workout. Mm-hmm. Like I might have my guys do two sled pulls for 40 yards and then I'll have them take it immediately, immediately off and do a 15 yard sprint without mm-hmm. the sled. Right. Yeah. It's the combination of the two. Right. You know what I mean? And they only post the sled. They only post the sled. Right, right, right. So you don't really know what the guys are doing, you know, and I might have a single leg bounding for 40 yards Mm -hmm. just complete cycle boom 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 and then have them you know lateral side shovel just to work on the adductors and abductors so it's like it's the sled is one of my number one tools but at the same time like the beach is like the the seller of the jlt program Mm. um it's like when guys come in and a big time of the year for me is sb week so i get a a lot of guys who i normally don't get the chance to work with but they're in town for the sbs 
So they're like, I need to go to that JLT guy. <laughs> and it's like going to Red Lobster. You don't get a burger at Red Lobster. You get, you get the lobster. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they come and they were like, I want to get that beach workout. All right, cool. So we'll usually do the whole week, just beach. Hmm. That way it's a lot of just, I don't know if you guys are familiar with LA. It's two hours to get everywhere. Right, right. right. Yeah, and ridiculous. it's only two miles away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just stay at the beach all week. I have a coach at the gym if they want it. They don't have enough time. But we'll get them on that sand. And they're like, dude, I've never done half of this stuff. Mm. You know, and it's not always about just running as fast as you can. A lot of it is learning how to control the body. Mm. Being able to get up to top end, mm. stop and get back to top end is what a lot of my clients have a problem with. Mm. So I incorporate that in the beach. And what the sand does is it doesn't let you slow down. It doesn't let you speed up like you want. So when we take that Friday beach workout and then we let them rest over the weekend and we bring them back on Monday, they're like, dude, I got so much control. It's ridiculous. Yeah. How yeah. do you coach that transition? Because I know that was always a thing where, like you mentioned, like it is a struggle for athletes to really be able to break down properly and get that like nice cut. It's it's learning their body first and foremost. Learning, I I literally, as soon as a guy calls, I get a text, like my phone will ring all day. I get a text from an agent or a player. Heard about you, want to come check you out. All right, what's your first and last name? It might be somebody from the Giants. <clears throat> They'll call me. I look at all the film I can. Look at college film up into game film. So that way when they come in, I have a knowledge of like, all right, game, week three, this is what you did as opposed to when you played against Utah State. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just try to get the dynamics of that first. Mm-hmm. And I say, what, what is, I see 17 problems. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many you see, but I see at least 17 that I think I can help out with. Stopping and going typically is usually one of them, you know what do you want to work on? It's like, well, I'm not pushing off my left foot to go this way, that way. All right, let's get on the sand. Let's do it on the sand. Let's get four weeks on the sand. Um, And we'll correct it. And then when they get on the, I don't even let them touch the field sometimes. If it's that serious of a problem, I won't even let them get on the field, Mm. depending on the time of the year. Mm -hmm. Let me clarify that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we'll get on the field and they're like, dude, this is ridiculous. I can push off. And sometimes they're pushing off to the point where it's like, now they have to learn how to control how fast they're going off the push. Mm-hmm. It's like it's ridiculous. I have a drill that I do where we'll sprint five yards in the sand and stop, mm. and we'll do that for about maybe five or six reps. You know, we'll continuously do that for just the whole day. In in between a couple of tennis ball throws and stuff. Yeah. So is it just okay? They, I'm just trying to like wrap my brain around like the uh, the, the sand portion of it. Is, it. is it really like the effectiveness of it that they understand their their movement that much more because it's like unstable? They have no control over their body. Yeah, it's like training an earthquake. Okay, you got you have to focus more on it. I just read a study that uh, <clears throat> tried to figure out how to maximize somebody's rebound uh you know performance like if you land and you're able to explode again and most trainers myself included for a long time focused on the explosive part but what they found in the study was that the athletes who focused on the landing were able to explode more it was all about being able to land effectively and you're agreeing with me so this is obviously you're you're finding this to be quite true that's the first test i do i do um, an assessment and incorporate an assessment i don't care how high you jump i want to see how you land on two feet one foot, um, lateral land on one foot. I want to see exactly how you land because that's going to let me know what I can do with you after the landing. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to get full extension? Are you going to be able to push? Are you going to be able to jump back up? From that movement, one movement alone, I can tell exactly what, when your direction of your knee goes, how you, if the foot is in front or in back when you land. 
from there. That that's 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 amazing. She said that. Yeah, no, the study just showed <laughs> it, and it makes sense that the weakest link in the whole chain of movements there wouldn't be the explosive aspect. It would be the where you position yourself so that you can explode, yep. which makes perfect sense. Like yeah. it's like trying to push someone over, but you're standing on a skateboard. You ain't gonna be able to maximize your force but if you have a good base correct now you can generate a lot of force so it makes absolute perfect sense one thing that all my receivers dbs do when they're catching a ball on an interception or in stride they're typically coming down on one leg mm -hmm. unless it's a comeback route then you're on two but how am i going to train that movement catching landing and going so that's that's another reason why i do that test because you could see all day how okay you could jump high cool yeah. but what are you going to do off the jump yeah Mm. What are some of the most exp uh, the most important exercises that young athletes can do, and then what are some of the most ex important exercises that more advanced athletes should be able to do? For younger athletes, I would just say a lot of core work. Mm. Um, definitely a lot have a strong core. Um, aside from being, you know, having vision is one of the key things I think also for younger athletes. Their awareness level is not where it's where it's at. So working on the core, working on their vision, awareness, working on doing things where they have to react. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of like where the tennis ball drill came mm. into play. And I wanted to develop these guys a little bit faster because they just wasn't, they just weren't able to move the way I wanted to when mm -hmm. I watched them in the games. There's some some things that I say, well, you could have went right by that dude. But they're just so hesitant mm -hmm. or they don't have the the experience level yet to understand, oh, I need to push left to come back right. You know, and they're trying to do way too much, all these shake and bake, razzle dazzle. You know, you just <laughs> need to push off one time yeah. to go around this guy. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, like you said, the professional athlete, the things that I feel like professional athletes is conditioning. Age plays a big role mm -hmm. in the longevity of clients. It's it's universal. Like yeah. you could be the top athlete in the world, but you're gonna get tired yeah. a lot faster than the guy coming in who's trying to take your spot. Yeah. Father time, oh, it gets everybody. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Every, it gets me. I'm like, I'm beat up now. Like My younger <laughs> trainers are training 14 hours. I was like, I'm not going to do that in my sleep. Uh, I got to take a nap now. Yeah. <laughs> now you, you've been around so many uh, incredible athletes. Uh, are you still impressed? Are there, are there? Do you still get impressed? Every day. Every day. Every day. You got to share some some stuff. Because this is a, <laughs> I'm a big sports fan, and we, we would talk about the bars, the Haydens, the Odell Beckhams, the all these athletes at Marshawn Lynch's that you've had a chance to train and speculate who's like what inside the gym or who's like what when they train. Like what 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 has been impressive about all those guys? So I have a drill called uh, crossing the moat. I guess you can call it. It's like we put tape it's five yards apart, um, and <laughs> we have a drill where we we'll, you know we'll go into like a, a back squat or a dumbbell squat. And then I'll have them jump over the moat to get to the next exercise. So I have a section, the gym section off in three areas. And, um, you know, it's it's not that easy. It's about six yards, I mean, six feet away. So after like your third time coming around, you're like dead. You know, you just squatted maybe 70, 80 pounds. And uh, Odell walks in the gym <laughs> and uh, didn't even know what was going on. Just walked, to, he had to walk through to get to where he wanted to put his bag down. Jumped over it. <laughs> it was the just jumped over the whole thing like a game <laughs> yeah. and I'm like what the hell like and, and we're trying to do this 
like the guy I'm trying to make my guys do it. And they're like, bro, this is, I don't even want to train anymore. That just made everybody look silly. Yeah, just put your stuff and go home. And then he did it single leg. Oh, shit. <laughs> and he's like, and, and that's when I started getting in my competition mode. Like, oh yeah, I could do that. I was doing this in high school. So we go back and forth. We got it to like eight, nine feet. Damn. Single like single and double leg jumps. Wow. Lateral jumps. Just playing around. Wow. Um, there's a drill I have my kids do when we're preparing for the vert jump for combine. And uh, we'll set the bar up pretty high. Uh, maybe like, you know, eye level, like six feet. And, you know, Evan Ingram walks in because he's in the transition. He, you know, the guys get to see him um, coming in, warming up. And they're like, oh, Evan Ingram's coming in. He's about to train with Jamal. Evan walks in, clearly walks under it. Like, the, that's how high it was. He walks under it to go to his, put his bag down. We're jumping over it, struggling. Evan says, what are y'all doing? Jumps over it. Like nothing. <laughs> no warm up. <laughs> Just comes in, jumps over it. I'm like, bro, what the hell? And same thing when Marshawn used to come in, he'd be like, all right, I got to go. I got to go do this thing with Skittles. Um, just put some weight on. Let me lift it. I said, put some weight on. He didn't even warm up. He said, bro, just put the weight on. Ma, come on, you know me. I was like, man, this is probably the worst thing I've probably ever said out loud. But he's like, bro, just put four plates on. No warm up. I'm going to do some A skips and some leg swings. I was like, Marshawn, bro, I can't have you do this. I can't have you. <laughs> Goes in there, and all the kids are just, when he walks in the gym, it just stops. Yeah. Everybody's like, what is he going to do? He just comes in, puts the bar on, squats it, benches it, and leaves. <laughs> and I'll be like, man, I, I was like, what am I programming you for? Like, yeah, yeah. What, is, what is the yeah. point, bro? Yeah, why am I here? And, yeah. and these guys never cease to amaze. They do it all the time. Yeah. They do it all the time. It's a whole new, it's a whole different level of human. I mean, the, the first time I saw a pro athlete run and move, I just, I, I was in shock. I couldn't believe that people moved like that. It didn't make any sense to me. Something you said earlier about your younger athletes and increasing their body awareness. It reminds me of uh, a question that um, we get often on the show and something that I experienced as a kid that we refer to as old man strength. This is something where, you know, you've got a a guy who's, you know, 45, 50 years old, fit or whatever, and you're, you know, you're 18, 19, 20, and you're all jacked up because your testosterone's high and you got all this piss and vinegar. (laughs) And this old guy, you you know, you can out bench him, out deadlift him, out squat. But then you go like, I was a, you know, I did did wrestling, I did judo, I did jujitsu, and I would grapple with these guys and they would just get a hold of me and just, Crush, crush me yeah. and I realized and I learned why later on. I couldn't figure out like what is this old man strength it's so weird later on I realized and through my own process of if I gained a lot of weight or lose a lot of weight or lost a lot of weight I just didn't have control over my body and I realized oh that 50 year old dude he's been in his body yep. for a long yes. time he just knows how to use it yes. and when you're talking about sports at this high level of uh, especially any sport but especially the higher level of competition Technique is extremely important in how you move. And so body awareness is everything. You can take a kid, make him super strong. He's got no body awareness. He's, he's worthless on the field. Correct. You take that same kid, maybe not even make him stronger, just make him super aware, and they're going to be phenomenal on the field. They, they're watching them in the game after one season and teaching them different you know vision training drills, learning how to use outside push as opposed to inside push, um, learning how to stop on a dime is just game changer for a high school college athlete. Because you got to remember, there's more guys who don't know how to do it than there are that do. In the NFL, I would say at least more than half are kind of aware. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe they don't know how to use their body yet the right way, but they, they're aware of what they need to do right. from 
an experience level. That's why they're there. That's exactly why they're there. Mm-hmm. But college kids, there's no guy, there's no coaches out here teaching them how to slow down and understand their body. They're right. teaching them how to get faster, bigger, stronger. That's always been a high school, bigger, faster, stronger. Okay, what about be more aware, learn how to stop, push left, push right, you know, when, catch a ball behind your head sometimes. Like, not saying that's a drill, but just know where your body is in placement to make a maneuver to do that. And there's no, like, there's nobody really doing that. And mm-hmm. especially because, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, because high school athletes are not going to pay as much as a professional athlete. With a professional athlete, I could do one-on-ones all day with two people and make what I could make with 40 kids. Mm-hmm. With 40 kids, it's 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 a cheaper, It's they're, they're, they're paying a lot less, so you have to put them in groups. Right, and then it's harder to do that. Exactly, and you can't teach every kid, 10 kids in one group, you can't teach every kid how to do specific things because it takes time away right. from the whole workout. So it's like, you make 100, 125 bucks for 10 kids or you make 4,000 for one hour for one guy. It's You kind of like get into that world. So that's why I've, I, I'm, I have competitive prices, but I also don't want to take away from my trainers, you know, paying their bills. Right. But they also understand who I'm training, who I'm working with and what they're going to get. Yeah, and the irony of this all, too, is that more body awareness dramatically reduces injury. Correct. It's got to be the most important factor, I would imagine. Correct. That, and, that's the, and that's another thing. They're, high school athletes don't get hurt like that unless they, it's like hot or cold. They break their arm. You'll never see a, a high school kid talking about, I got a tennis elbow. You know what I mean? You, you'll never hear that. That comes later. You got Nintendo yeah, thumb, though. Exactly. You, you just don't hear. It's always ACL. You never hear about, oh, my knee's hurting. Right, right. You never hear high school kids talking about minor injuries. It's hot or cold. So if I can also incorporate injury prevention, because when they get to college, they're messed up. Yeah. Half my guys are messed up because they just didn't take care of their body. It's Imagine LeBron at 14, you know what I mean? His body was already developed, so mm-hmm. people put him in positions where he could not get hurt. But if your body hasn't developed to what you're going to be at the NFL level and you're doing things at the NFL level, getting hit, making cuts, training as hard as you are, and you're not doing injury prevention, it's it's our, it's going to happen at right. some point. Right. Talk, yeah, talk about the talk about the misconception that all professional athletes have the best trainers training them. Oh man. Oh yeah. Good, <laughs> good call. <laughs> the it's funny, man. I I never really talk bad on any trainer or I never really say oh, I'm better or I have better drills. I I definitely think that and we talked about this a little earlier. Social media is like diluting who the the 15 great trainers are in the United States uh, that do this, it's diluting our brands, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are paying for a service. The majority of these trainers who are up and coming are not charging because they want to get the notoriety, the clicks. They want to have the best workout to go viral. So they're sacrificing a lot they don't even know they're sacrificing their client's health so that they could be the Instagram trainer. Mm-hmm. And guys like myself, it's very hard to glorify a single leg box squat, you know, because we do it for three weeks before we can get to their double leg squat. So it's not cool. But my guy, I had 26 guys get nominated for Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That's cool. <laughs> and that's the cool part. Right. I have the patience. 
I I trained Odell at his house in New York for two years before people even know knew what in season training was. I the first day I got to his house, I didn't be like, oh, I'm at Odell's house, about to train him in season training. Because honestly, if he didn't have a good season, I'm gonna get blamed. <laughs> so I'm like, let me not put this out yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> See what happens. Let me at least wait. But but the younger generation is so quick to be like, oh, week two, why are you there week two? If you did what you're supposed to do, he you should, he shouldn't need you till week six, seven. Right. So now you're putting your foot in your mouth. Mm. You know what I mean? My guys don't call me until bye week. Like, Ma, I'm feeling great. I'm killing it. Mm-hmm. Let's start doing some stuff after bye week when I'm starting to feel like a little lackadaisical. My, it's getting a little colder now, so I want to start doing some stuff where I'm not pulling muscles. Mm-hmm. And even when I go to them, it's not like what we do during the season. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. These guys are doing what they did with these guys for training camp Same prep. Thing. Yeah. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Th- they do this already Monday through Thursday. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have the opportunity to kind of assist or supplement what they're not getting to a certain extent, but without taking it to the extreme level. Hmm. And uh, I kind of got away from the original question. Well, no, we were just talking about the misconception uh, that here, I mean, some of my, I mean, I remember hanging out one time with uh, Navarro Bowman and cool cat really liked him. And we were talking about his training. Of course, I'm a trainer. I want to ask about his workout program and I'm listening to it. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I come to find out that, He's got like his, you know, and this is what I see. I've seen this more than once besides him, where they, you know, hire their buddy, you know, their buddy who just got yeah. his certification and yeah. you want to take care of your boy. Yeah. I'm now a millionaire. My boy's going through the certification yeah. process. I want to do him a solid and he's training. I'm thinking, God damn, bro, you are like, you're the, you're the, you're like the top of the top yeah. of the food chain here in the NFL yeah. and you just got some, some buddy like, like that's crazy. Every, every, Every so often, I'll get a guy like that. He'll be like, hey, can my guy come check us out? Mm. So I just look up the guy, and he's like a trainer. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I, I love helping trainers. I love, I love exposing and helping trainers mm-hmm. to the point that you don't understand where it's to the fact where, okay, you got a guy coming in. All right, he wants to be your guy. Love it. Love it. Let's help him. Because I'm not going to be with you. Let's help him. Yeah. But you have to be aware what he doesn't know right and who to go to to understand like he can't learn everything i know from 10 years of training in one off season a certification is not going to teach him everything nutritional program is not going to teach him what is going in your body he's got to do years of research knowledge hands-on experience and i every guy thinks their guy is the guy and i love that (laughs) i I, I love it I I, i love it but be aware of what your guy knows yeah. and outsource. Odell has multiple people that help him. Marshawn had multiple people to help. I was on a team yeah. with guys like this. Yeah. Are you are you close with uh, some of the strength conditioning coaches of these guys' teams? Do you guys <laughs> communicate or no? In the beginning, no, because I was that guy trying to learn. Mm-hmm. And they're like, dude, I've been doing this. And the strength coaches in the NFL have been around long some guys have been in 40 years Mm -hmm. they're giving you the stink eye oh my god (laughs) at one time i had probably eight giants um coming to me and some of them did didn't go to otas so that that's a red flag like like what and this is early why are these guys going to him or you know i had guys on different teams like why are they going to this guy and it i wanted to i always want strength coaches to know i'm not trying to be better than you I'm not trying to show these guys something 
that I think you don't know how to do. I want to help. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure the team and the player get the best out of the athlete. I'm not trying to be the guy who's like, oh, he's training with me, F you. No. I, it's just like when I ran track and played football at the same time. It's like I would go to a guy who would help me work on this and I would go to a guy that helped me work on that and they work together. You know what I'm saying? To get me ready for each season. Do a lot of them work with you now where you that you can see what they're doing, they see what you're doing, you guys work together? Now that I'm getting older, I'm getting I get the 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 programs. They'll they're more receptive now. Mm-hmm. They're they're like, oh, he actually has proven himself. Guys are coming back in great shape. Guys are not hurt when they come back. And that's a big it's like a big thing. Cause if I have a client and he goes and works with somebody else for something and he comes back to me hurt, first thing I'm gonna do is be like, What were you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Red flag number one. So it's like I'm 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 getting guys in shape. They're coming back, they're having great seasons. So it's earlier in my career it was hard. It was hard. And now it's like, all right, cool, have uh send Jamal the the program. We know he knows what he's doing. Just have him incorporate a one, B one, C one. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Excellent, excellent. So it's good. Talk about the 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 benefits of bilateral movements versus unilateral movements, and vice versa. When you're compete, when you're comparing the two, because there's always this debate, right? Like, oh, you know, two legs on the ground generate more strength, yeah. more power. One leg is more functional. Like, talk about the, the the pros and cons of each. So I always, when I first tell my guys, I said, look, straight up, after the assessment, after I see them do a pistol squat. And I see they can't do it. I'm like, oh, this is clear what we need to work on. Because, I mean, if you go to a gym, you're not ever going to do. Who goes to the gym and says, you know what? I need to work on single leg, civilian or athlete. You know what I mean? It's just not something that's part of your regiment. So um, I'm more unilateral strength based. Like it's, it's my bread and butter, honestly. And it's helped me get a lot of the results I've gotten. But I incorporate bilateral strength because you're not going to know if you got stronger if you don't, you know, mm-hmm. so the first couple phases are definitely unilateral, um, sing upper body and lower body, of course. And then I just incorporate the bilateral about two to three weeks prior to they leave. And I do this because, and I say this to all my guys, I'm like, how often are you on one leg when you're doing things, depending on what position, mm-hmm. um, you know, for especially my receivers, my DBs, a lot of, if you're running, I mean, I've never seen anybody run with two feet on the ground the whole time. No, we're not kangaroos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and and that, that sort of resonates with them. They're like, oh, okay, cool. This is why I need to do this. And then when we start doing drills where I have to incorporate on the explosive side of things, why it's important, they're like, I get it now. Joe Hayden made a phenomenal interception where it looked like he jumped in the air and literally went up six more inches. <laughs> and there's a drill I do where I have him jump off one leg in between every set. So he'll do maybe 20, 40 jumps in a workout. And he's like, and the first thing he did after the game was he called me. He was like, bro, we got to, that drill is now called the Joe Hayden. Uh, So he's like, we got to do some more Joe Haydens. You know what I mean? He didn't obviously say his name, but we got to do, we got to do the drill. And so all the the high school kids and college kids, and even like a lot of NFL guys, hey, when I'm going to start doing those uh, things Joe was doing. (laughs) I'm like, all right, all right. So it, it plays a big role, especially in my training. I think, Every trainer should incorporate unilateral strength, um, either it's from you know a lateral movement, a leaner movement. Any type of movement should be figuring out how to use a multi-directional base, how to use uh, unilateral. Everything is for me centered around single leg. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for, I mean for for sports, absolutely. I don't know very many sports where you're you're just standing yeah. on, on on two legs. It doesn't make any sense. I you're just right. I just saw your phone going off, and it leads me to my other question. I was going to ask you is uh, Nike was calling you. That's why. Oh yeah. So tell so tell yeah. me tell me how how that happened. Typical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Um, it, it's been a long process. It's and it comes down to nothing to do with training. I'll be honest with you. It comes from just being consistent and understanding brands and leveraging. Um, every time, like the thing now is you can post something. I could post this, this picture and it, I'm, I'm, everybody thinks the picture sponsors me. No, Nike, Nike has a unique way of doing things along with every other brand where they work with certain individuals who they feel help the brand, facilitate the brand, expose the brand. I, I just happen to work with, predominantly Nike athletes, you know, and every, of course, every kid wants to be a Nike athlete, but the Nike thing came about from just showing my, showing my worth, um, being who I am, uh, doing more than is expected. You know, Marshawn would donate shoes and cleats to the kids. Um, I would then take that and be like, look, this is what we're doing with your brand. I would reach out to the people to let them know, mm. you know what I mean? I'd be like, look, we just gave away 40 something cleats, spark vests, training equipment. And then they'll be like, all right, cool. We'll start sending you more stuff. Me showing them that I'm using the brand, you know, being a part of the brand, um, working with the athletes, turning into them saying, yeah, let's let's figure out a, a partnership agreement. Mm. So, you know, I have a unique contract, which very few individuals have. Um, I'm not just posting them and getting, you know, free Nike shoes. It's, it's actually a real deal. Like I'm considered a Nike athlete. Mm. And then my company is under the JLT, the JLT brand is is affiliated with that. So it's it's a blessing. Well, know? I knew it was unique yeah. because I saw your website and I and I know just not anybody can throw the Nike logo Correct. up on their website like that. So that's Correct. why I was curious about Correct. how this all happened. Was this a over years of oh, you it doing? Took over five, six years. Wow. You know, it's just not they just give these contracts out to especially a trainer. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's like That's rare. It's well, very rare. In fact, most most anyone that I know that's a, even affiliated with Nike is a trainer. It's like an affiliate deal. It's yeah, here's like, like a free shoes or something. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And that was what I was on for a while. I'll be honest with like I was, you know, they don't really say you can't use the name oh Nike Spark. I could say that I'm training for a combine or, you know, an Elite 11 competition, but I I'm not really at legally able to say I'm a Nike trainer and people do because they know so many people in the Nike brand are not going to mm-hmm. come look for yeah. a guy with 28 followers right, right. saying he's a Nike trainer yeah. um, so that's where like you get away with it but I was I was definitely fortunate enough to show them that look I've been working with these guys I've gone overseas with some of your clients I've done work with camps I, I want to show more leverage I want to do more for the brand and that's with any one of my sponsors you know I, I definitely believe in everything that I'm that I'm selling or you know advocating to my clients and and that's just me being me like I don't care about like posting I love posting it's great whatever but I want to show that my clients are using the product right right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, a huge misconception I think that people have is when they when when somebody becomes successful and becomes known it's always this uh you know like oh he came out of nowhere or <laughs> overnight success and, yeah Nine out of ten times, or maybe ten out of ten times, there's years or decades of work that yeah. led up to that moment when that person became known. Mm-hmm. And the thing about you that's impressing me the most, as as we're talking, you're obviously very knowledgeable about training, um, and you have this incredible intuitive uh, talent to, to to know how to apply training. But what impresses me the most is your your work ethic, 
um, and how you've applied yourself over and over again to, to just become better at what you do and become more successful. Is this ever something you talk to your young students about, your young athletes about, about the work ethic? Because I feel like that plays such a huge role in anybody's success. It does uh, all the time because everybody has a story. And a lot of my kids, I, I have, I'm very fortunate, I think, to work with a lot of kids who were underprivileged. They come from bad house, a bad household or broken family. Um, and they don't have somebody to relate to. And I think the beautiful part about myself is that I can relate to a kid from Beverly Hills and I can relate to a kid from West Oakland um, and get them to work together. Hmm. That's like the synergy, you know? Um, and it's hard because... Being that consistent and understanding people is something, like I said, it's not, you can't teach that. You know, I, I, I pride myself on the fact that these kids are, are interested in not only the training, but they're interested in me. And I don't ever really get a chance to really like talk about where I came from. I don't really talk too much. Like I slept in a gym for like seven months. You know, I was sending money back home so that my daughter could go to school but I would get up at six in the morning to train. No one knew, no one, no one cared. They just thought I was there first. You know what I mean? You know, and they didn't know why I never left. They're like, oh, this dude's here all the time. Like, yeah, I live here. <laughs> um, you know, Literally. but yeah, but it's, 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 that's inside of me that lets me know like, and also I've been exposed to a lot. I've, I've gone overseas, I've seen, people's houses that are as big as this whole block. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to training camps and I've seen how things have been, have, how, how organized and things work. I've experienced corporations, small businesses that the pros and cons, I've had a chance to experience a lot and not because it was just like luck because I wanted to know and newer trainers and newer athletes trying to figure out how to be the next Joe Hayden and newer trainers trying to figure out how to be, I guess you could say me, I guess, um, don't have, don't have the, the access. Mm -hmm. So if I can do that, at least from the client perspective, give them access and give my trainers an opportunity to go to Canada for a CFL pro day, like they're like, wow, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. I've never seen this. So that's, that's kind of like, yeah, you know, there, there's this, in psychology, they talk about uh, internal versus external locus of control. Like an external locus of control would be, I'm in these circumstances, they're difficult, whatever your circumstances are, um, and therefore I, I just don't have the opportunity or I'm not going to do anything because everything's so hard around me. Internal locus of control is, I identify all these difficult things around me, but I can I have the biggest impact on how successful I am. You have that. Everything you say so far that you've said on this podcast sounds like you're coming from this. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna bust my ass. I don't care what the you know what the circumstances are. I'm gonna make this happen myself. Were you born with that, or did you learn that at some? Did something teach you that as you were growing up? My mom always taught me to treat people the way you wanted to be treated. Um, I I always make sure that. It's like kind of like a little bit, I guess you could say OCD mm. um, to make sure when the client walks in, they got a towel and water to make sure when I was bagging groceries that the bread was on top to make sure when I was loading mattresses that I didn't mess somebody's house up the corner where you, you know, everybody hits the corner with their foot. Like, I didn't want to do that. It's just me understanding like this person wouldn't want 
that to happen to them. So I wouldn't want it to me. And like my trainers, like recently I've had several trainers that, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. They love, they love keeping their body in shape, but I'm the type of person that I'm not going to work out to the last client leaves. You know, I'm going to make sure the client comes first because if I'm tired, I'm not going to be mentally able to train them. And they know, Jamal, what's, what'd you do last night? Uh, I had a beer. Oh man. You know what I mean? I just don't want to be that person. I'm always going to put the client, I'm going to sacrifice myself, my life, my family, my well-being so that the client knows, all right, Jamal cares about me mm-hmm. at the least. He may not have the best workout today, but he at least asked me how I was doing. What did I do last night? You also you also do something that you haven't really touched on this podcast, but I've heard you talk about that I think is important when you're dealing with professional athletes, and that is everybody seems to be on their jock. Everybody wants to take pictures with them, everybody, and you seem to keep it very professional. Have to. Yeah. Like I, I, it, it cracks me up how much I see people taking pictures with clients and they never trade them again. Like that's the ultimate slap in the face. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I tell clients this the first day I meet them. I say, look, if I never see you again, at least you could take something away from today. And I have guys call me all the time that haven't worked with me. Like, oh, I still do your warm up. Oh, I still do that band work we did. It was dope. Um, I, I just got married. I live here now. You know what I mean? It's, it has nothing to do with me personally, but I don't want them. I don't, I don't want to be the guy that people be like, oh, that's the dude who tra- who takes pictures with everybody. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I, I want to earn it. Mm. Yeah. Now, is, is there is there is that part of the strategy on your Instagram? I, I notice you have your comments turned off. Always. Okay, so what's the point? I of that? block out all the negativity. Okay, that's what that is. I, I it was a time when it affected me a lot and I fed into it. I'm not gonna lie to you. It, it was like, oh, that that's weak or that drill is terrible or Oh, I could do it better. And all it's the, just all the critics. That's crazy. It, it, I wouldn't think you'd get that much hate for that. Oh my God. And then, you know, it's just cause I, I didn't realize how like I don't look at my clients how everybody else looks at them. I just look at them like, oh, that's my that's my guy. Yeah. We get some work in. But then when you got a guy doing tennis ball drills and a trainer who has twenty eight followers and he may have worked with somebody one time and he's like, We do better tennis ball drills. I'm like, <laughs> it's not what that was for, bro. It's 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 for people to under just see what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. Uh, you, so. you 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 mentioned uh warm ups often uh, in this conversation, and I think a, a lot of people don't realize the importance of an individualized warm up or priming the body. Like how important is what you do for your warm up, you know, it's not just getting your body warm. Oh no, it's <laughs> we go through so many phases in a warm up that a civilian, like it's actually when I call them civilians, but my civilians will do a whole performance training warm up as their workout sometimes because yeah. mm-hmm. that's how taxing it is. Like from the mobility, uh, from the activations to the actual dynamic warm up itself, you know, that could take anywhere from fifteen to twenty minutes, but it's. And it's also specific by the day, by the position, um, depending on what the focus is for the workout. It might be a lateral dynamic warm-up for the day. Um, it might be mini bands. It might be ankle bands. Um, sometimes I'll take them through you know, a, resi- a full resistance band, warm- dynamic warm-up they're used to, but I'll put a resistance band on them. Mm-hmm. And just 
as we progress, they start being able to be able to do it, but it's, it's, it's always taxing at first. Are you, are you so much in your own lane that you don't even pay attention to anybody else? Or are there some trainers out there or some guys that you follow or you like, or you think are doing good things? I look up to a lot of trainers. Okay. I look up to a lot of trainers. I, I, I would like to say I'm in my own lane, but that'd be impossible. You know what I mean? I just don't really pay too much attention. I'm aware. I always want to know what you can say, I guess the competition is doing. Mm -hmm. I always want to know what people who are not even in my, there's a lot of trainers that do a lot of um, fast feed and uh, cone drills. I have a lot of respect for them. It's not what I do, but it's just, it's, I want to know what, what, what is, what is the fad right now? Or what is, what are guys doing? Mm -hmm. So, cause I don't want to be ignorant. You know, uh, McDonald's knows what Burger King is doing. That don't mean they're selling the same product. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're aware. Right. Um, and I never want to be that person that's out of touch because when guys ask me about, hey, can we start doing this? I'd be like, well, we can incorporate that in this phase. So I at least know what they're doing and when to incorporate. Right. Mm. You have? Do you have a a single common pet peeve of training athletes or like something that just just fuck? I always got to deal with this. Same arm, same leg. <laughs> you'd be surprised how many guys still do same arm same leg when they're running i'm like what the hell you've been playing sports 40 years man what the hell's going on really um that, <laughs> when they're that, marching yeah, yeah i'm yeah, like yeah. come on man I you must have had a long crazy. night yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i'll be you know and, and and this is my i love it and i hate it at the same time like I have staff now that can help me with the phone and record. I'm terrible, by the way. Like, I'll get a, I'll get a snap and it'll be cool or whatever. But sometimes I just don't get the angle, and they want it over and over again. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, and that's the new thing is showing that you're working out, and I want them to show they're working out with me. Right. But I want to train. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah. now I'm doing this yeah. distractions. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's cool. I, I, I. I I just record, I tell them now straight up. I said, look, we'll get video of you. I've hired videographers. We'll bring them in at some point, mm-hmm. but I'm going to record it and put the phone down mm-hmm. and I'll make a video later on for you that day. That's smart. <laughs> and they're like, cool. What are some of the current fads that you're seeing right now in training? Like the current trends that are coming out? Wow. Like, uh, I'm seeing a lot more people do a lot more beach stuff, uh, which is cool. I don't know exactly what they're doing, but it looks great. Uh, I think it's cool that they're incorporating the beach now. Um, I'm seeing a lot of guys do the uh, the sand hills, actually. Mm. And and I love it, but you can only do so many of those. <laughs> like, like Jesus, like, I, I, I could probably do three and be dead. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? That's brutal. Oh, man. I'm seeing a lot more vision training. I'm seeing guys hit the wall, hit the wall lights, oh, yeah. whatnot. There's these uh, pads yeah. that light up now. Mm-hmm. They're incorporating that a lot. I like that. That's pretty cool. Um, I, I'm, I'm a, as you can hear, my voice is very raspy, so I can yell across a football field. So I usually call out numbers. I'm, I'm old school, man. I'm like one green, blue. Yeah. And, the guy, and the guys like, they, they tell me all the time, like, I still hear your raspy ass voice, man. <laughs> <laughs> so the lights are cool. I don't think they work fast enough for me. Mm-hmm. If they want to send me a pair, we'll use them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, che- we'll check them out. Yeah. But, um, uh, that's pretty, I see a lot. I see when I remember when I posted the tennis ball drill, it was an epidemic everybody's throwing tennis balls yeah, now. Yeah. Everybody. Uh, yeah. And I'm not going to say I created it, but I've been doing it a while and I was using like ping pong balls mm-hmm. and um, and my guys remember like, man, you've been doing this like 2005. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's cool. They, the guys are throwing it and this is, my, this is my pet peeve with the tennis ball. The trainer is not working as hard as the athlete. I killing myself. <laughs> like me and Odell might get 75 throws in or a good crazy 20. These guys are lackadaisical. They're just whatever. I'm trying to, 
go crazy. I want them to get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and if you're working hard enough, you gotta work twice as hard to see where the ball is. Yeah. That takes a lot of training. These guys are like, whatever. They're yeah. just doing it for the gram. Do you ever watch what other athletes are doing for other sports and see if there's any crossover to oh yeah like like the like the, the i feel like the ping pong ball and the tennis ball i feel like boxers have been doing kind yeah. of off the wall yeah, yeah right, stuff right, like right. that yeah, hanging off I, their head yeah do you ever look at it. stuff like other sports and be like oh i think this might work for my I, I do i do a lot and because like i and this is another thing i hate getting boxed into the nfl world mm-hmm. or the football world like i train functional movement and it's universal so i like pick up a lot of rugby drills. I look at like a lot of soccer drills because it applies for certain positions mm-hmm. and cross and I cross it over. Like I was working with a guy who plays soccer and the first thing he was like, I want to do the tennis ball drills, but I don't use my hands. And I was like, clearly uh, <laughs> I was like, but let's figure out another way. So I incorporated a way to do some stuff with him where he's moving um, without tennis, with the tennis balls, but he wasn't catching them. You know, he was doing like a, um, a multi-directional drill and I was able to like throw some stuff where he could like dodge. Mm-hmm. But he was like, dude, I love this training. It's just like, I don't want to get bulky. And that's the misconception with me. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be as big as, you know, Anthony Barr. I want to be, I want to move. Crazy part about it is Anthony Barr can move better than a lot of guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's twice the size. But that's always been like with my NBA guys. They're like, dude, I just want to shoot and come get it lifted. And then when I start incorporating a lot of like movement, at, like they're so used to playing basketball. Tennis, all my tennis players bat, uh, play tennis. All my track people run track. Football is the only sport where they actually, I feel like, train sport specific performance wise to get ready for football. Everybody else just does their sport right like, yeah. over and over again without. With, with minimal performance training. Let me put it like that. Mm-hmm. So when I'm able to get a guy who doesn't play football and they're like, what the hell? How did you come up with this? Yeah. I had a, a surfer a while back. Her name was Alana, Blan- uh, Alana Blanchard. And I put her in some drills where she was working on a, a BOSU ball, uh, Eric's pads, and doing some weights where she's always got to use ankle mobility and strength. She's like, I've never done this. I'm like, yeah, this is functional movement. This is training. This is getting you ready to surf. We're not surfing to surf, right. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a Do you have a favorite uh, success story of like one of your pro athletes that you, that you improved over season or over course of seasons? Do you have a favorite one? Uh, it's hard. I, I would get killed if I gave you that answer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really don't. I, I don't really have a favorite favorite. You don't I, have a favorite kid. I don't have a favorite kid. I don't have a favorite uh, yeah. kid. I have yeah, favorite. I, I just have a lot of guys that I really look up to and I like and I respect. Yeah. And like what, who's the who's the, who's the dog? Who's the dog oh, of everybody? Like there's got to be a guy that's just you just like god damn anything I throw at this guy he's a beast. <laughs> it was it was a guy who wasn't even a professional athlete. He was <laughs> He was just a workhorse. He just came in, lifted everything and left. He was just a workhorse, a special teams guy. He never really got his shot. Mm. I don't want to give his name. I, he never really just got the opportunity to show that he was really That's good. That's got to pain you to see yeah. that. It hurts. To know that uh, behind the scenes, knowing his heart, his effort, his it, ability. Uh, it hurts it, because he he was a, a workhorse. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to remember, like, sometimes being a workhorse in the gym doesn't apply on the field, mm-hmm. you know. But he actually played really well and just, just didn't pan out for him. Now, how often do you think that happens? Is this something that happens a lot where a guy is just, it, it could have been. 
but just because the it didn't line up, you were but just happened to be behind Odell Beckham, and he's one of the greatest ever. And just yeah. because he's so great, you don't get your opportunity. It, it happens every day, bro. Like wow. I'm talking about from college kids. Mm-hmm. I see guys come in the league pulling up in Porsches one year, and then the next year they're like, "Hey, I got to sell my Porsche." Because I don't know the situation right now because of an injury mm. or just a trade or somebody got brought in. Um, you know, it's it's a scary feeling when you're always on the bubble. And I deal with on the bubble guys more than I'd like to. You know what I mean? I love working with them. They, they got heart. You know, they post motivational quotes every day on their Instagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I love them to death. But it's just like, damn, I want these dudes to succeed so much and get an opportunity to help their families. And, you know, and I always and, and I think that's the part where I'd be like, look, man, there's always a place for here at JLT. You know, when you get done playing or you can't figure it out, I'd love to help you. And I myself now I like I've gotten an agent. Like, it's unheard of. I've never even think a trainer could have an agent. And I have an agent who's helping me learn how to leverage brands and talk to different companies and, you know, sell myself without being like like the guy that I don't want to be. More so just from a, I'd rather sell the company than sell mm-hmm. myself, honestly. Yeah. And guys in the NFL or professional sports players don't understand how to do that. They just think, mm-hmm. I got to catch a touchdown every game so I can get... Uh, a Nike deal or a headphone deal mm-hmm. or a shoe deal. You can actually get a, a car company to be invested in you because you play football. Mm-hmm. There's not too many people to play professional sports. Yeah. So to have Joe Schmo say he drives X, Y, and Z is 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 great for them. Yeah. And this could help your family on the back end. Mm-hmm. And people don't know that. Yeah, you, so you talk to them about how to invest and be, you know, yeah. because sometimes the lifespan of an athlete is so short, short and being able to, you know, invest that, set themselves up for life. It's 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 amazing what a candy bar can do for your family. You know, <laughs> you know it, it's amazing what Snickers. a shoelace yeah. is wants to endure. Like, there's so much opportunity out here for everyone. Like, I had no clue. Honestly, I had no clue that people wanted to be a part of what I'm doing. You know, I'm working with 20, 30, 40 guys and I didn't realize that utilizing myself to, to, to reach these guys, I didn't realize how hard it was to get to these guys mm. because I, I'm just accessible to them. But when somebody who's not accessible to them can get to them through me, I think it's a great opportunity and it's vice versa for the athlete, mm-hmm. you know? I guarantee you right now we have trainers listening who are like, I want to work for Jamal. <laughs> right. What's is that, there opportunities what there? Is that, yeah, what does that process look like? How does someone become a trainer in your gym? Man, it's hard. It's, it, and honestly, all my staff has been from the Bay Area. And they're all, ex, <laughs> they're all ex-athletes of yours they're too. They're all aren't ex-athletes. They? Most of them are ex-athletes uh, or have trained with me. Because mm. I, I haven't got to the level yet where I can like coach somebody to like be me yet. Mm-hmm. I, you have to experience it. Mm-hmm. You have to come in, shadow me. You got to go, not necessarily go get coffee. You got to you gotta go to the field, be there at 11, coach the guys, be at the gym, come train high school athletes, go right back to a house call, come home, do Photoshop, go right back to iMovie, post some stuff, have 30 posts ready for you. Show me that you like, like this is stuff that I do normally. You know what I mean? So you got to go above and beyond. Like I'm not just going to hire somebody who just wants to post pictures. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've had that. I've I've been through that. And that's cool. That's what you want to do. I'm not knocking you. But I want, I look at the iPhone. I look at Steve Jobs. I look at, I, I read 
I'm reading Richard Branson's book right now mm-hmm. and understanding entrepreneurs and why the 300 or 200 or 10 people that work under them have helped them be successful, but have also helped them build a company. And it takes everybody doing more than what's expected. You know what I mean? And that's just, most trainers don't have that in them. They just, I'll be honest with you, they just go to the gym and they think, oh, I'm training 14 hours a day. When am I going to be successful? Mm -hmm. Or when am I going to get this celebrity client? All right, you're going to get the celebrity client, but the first thing I say is, okay, you have a decision to make. You're going to go on tour or you're going to go be with this athlete or be with this person for the for six months and sacrifice maybe a potential 50 clients. Right. I I had to make that decision so often. Sacrificing four hours of my day for one person because that's they want to pay a lot more money mm-hmm. or sacrificing where I live to move somewhere and neglect 20 clients or figure out what is what are they doing in bigger companies? All right, let me hire four guys. You're going to work with high school. You're going to work with college. You're going to work with personal training. I'll take over NFL. And then I can delegate. So now I'm more aware of how to spread my time. Mm. I'm able to be here and I've got guys in the gym right now as we speak. Yeah, that's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like I had to learn that. And younger trainers, it's a lot of self in that. It's a, it's a lot of self. Now, you've, you've trained a lot of uh, non-athlete celebrities as well, if I'm not mistaken. What's that like? It's hard. It's hard because do they if, have a different work ethic when it comes to fitness? Completely different. <laughs> completely different. <laughs> you got a real question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost. I, I. This is what I tell people. I'm in the business of not failing. I don't have the luxury to fail. So if I have six weeks to get you ready for camp, I'm. I'm on it. These guys have no timeline. Civilians have no timeline. They. They can come one day and say, hey, I got to go shoot a TV show. I might not be here next week. I'm going to Paris with my girlfriend or I'm going on vacation. They don't have they don't have a deadline. You know what I mean? I work off deadlines. I love it. Not not so as stressful as it was when I first started, but they're they're civilian general population. I stopped saying civilians. <laughs> general population has the luxury to be like, I could take a week off. My guys don't, yeah. but because I get results with with General Pop faster, um, they I get more clientele that way. Like I work with you know a lot of different people. So what you're saying is that that P Diddy is a beast inside the studio, but he's kind of a bitch on the field. No, 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 no. no. He works hard. That's no, a sound no. clip, right? He, there. Hey, he 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 kills it. Okay, he kills it. <laughs> but but he doesn't have to be ready. In three weeks, right, so right, he right, just right. it just spread out. Different demand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he he gets after it. He yeah. gets after it. I'll give you that. I'll give him that yeah. because the biggest part about it is these celebrities and actors um, and musicians want to train like the athlete, right, right, of course. Right, right. Yeah. And so when I give it to them, they're like, "Oh, Wait, I don't know if I'm one of that." <laughs> yeah. yeah. This this is this is what y'all do. <laughs> y'all run oh, first and then left. Yeah. yeah. And then we do it again every day. Yeah. So that's. That's that's a hard pill to swallow for yeah. anybody. Yeah. yeah, for anybody. Like even myself, I get caught up in trying to like stay in shape, and I'm like, dude, I got to get back on my track. Like I'll go, I'll go on the track and run three or four days, and I'll be like, oh man, I got like 17 guys coming in next week. Let me yeah. shut it down. Yeah. This is hard. Who's who's <laughs> the hardest hard. working non athlete celebrity that you've trained? Ooh, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> that it might be Pub actually. Um. Yeah, he ran them. Didn't he go and run yeah. a marathon with like minimal training too? Yeah, he, he went out. He goes out and run. He, he got we got him ready for 
um, a show he did with DJ Khaled, and he was in shape for that um, a couple years ago. It just goes to show how important, like, and how much uh, heart transfers over into other things, yeah. right? Because obviously he's a beast at, at what he's done. He's, a, he's amazing. He's, oh, yeah. He kills it. Like, he runs nine companies and then still works out. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would be like, dude, and you go out and host parties every night. Like, yeah. you, how are you able to do this? And he was getting up, working out, training. You know, it it was amazing to me. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been a pleasure, man. man. Yeah, it's been fun, man. I, yeah. I, I love I love doing it. I like you guys. You guys are cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you're welcome anytime. I, if you ever yeah, come up yeah, here and visit back. friends or family yeah. or whatever, you come in here and we'll we'll do this. No, nah, I'm def. I, I like I like talking and giving my my spiel about the training world. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm glad we got you down here, man. Yeah. What, what, one of our missions was to to when we first started this company was to find real because there's a lot of bullshit out yeah. there in fitness. There's a yeah. lot of terrible information in fitness. For the general population, especially, you know, the, the false promises and the terrible the civilians of the world. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and so what we one thing that we would try to do is find really, really good trainers and highlight them because we're a media company and we want to get that out there. And you're yeah. definitely one of them. So we appreciate it. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I will come back anytime. All right. Excellent. Excellent, awesome. brother. All right, man. Thanks yeah. for coming Thank on. Anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic, nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.